0: Listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder, mutilation, and incest that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In
1: 1912, German archaeologist Ludwig Borchardt was exploring the remnants of the ancient Egyptian city of Amarna when he made a groundbreaking discovery, a bust exquisitely crafted and quite well preserved, despite 3,000
0: years of being hidden underground. It was the profile of a royal woman wearing a crown. She had a thin neck and a face that was clearly elegant despite millennia of wear and tear. This was the face of Queen Nefertiti.
1: Since its discovery, The bust has become one of the most common images associated with the study of ancient Egypt. Nefertiti's likeness occupies museum gift shops the world over, and the queen herself has become one of the most well-known historical Egyptians, rivaled in fame only by King Tutankhamun himself.
0: And yet, for over a hundred years, archaeologists have failed to identify Nefertiti's remains.
1: Where is Nefertiti? Is her tomb truly hidden? Or have we found her and just don't know it?
0: Hi, I'm Richard.
1: And I'm Molly. Welcome to Gone the show where we search for everything missing.
0: Each week, we examine mysterious disappearances and the theories they spawned. From the Amber Room to Michael Rockefeller, Picasso paintings to the Etruscan language, the Roanoke colony to the lost Russian cosmonauts. If it disappeared, we're looking for it. If you want to listen to more episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps the podcast.
1: This episode, we're looking into the tomb of Queen Nefertiti, the ancient Egyptian queen who became famous after the discovery of
0: her iconic bust in 1912. The bust has been housed in the Neues Museum in Berlin for decades. And for generations of Egyptologists, that limestone sculpture was the closest they ever came to laying eyes on the queen's mummy. Because 106 years after the discovery of the bust that made the queen famous among modern historians, we still have no idea where her actual body is buried.
1: But naturally, the Egyptologist community has some ideas
0: of where it might be. There are three main theories as to where, or who, Nefertiti is. The first, and simplest, is that Nefertiti's remains have actually already been found. Nefertiti is, in fact, the younger lady mummy discovered in 1898 and confirmed through DNA testing to be the mother of King Tutankhamun.
1: The second and most recent theory among Egyptologists is that Nefertiti's tomb is still hidden in the Valley of Kings, somewhere in the same complex where King Tutankhamun was discovered in 1922.
0: The third theory rests on the long-held hypothesis that Nefertiti actually ruled as a female pharaoh for a short time. The alleged pharaohs Nefer and Smenkari are both believed to have ruled between 1335 and 1332 BC, before King Tutankhamun took the throne. This third theory states that Nefer Neferuatin and Smenkari are in fact the same person Nefertiti.
1: It's important to note that the study of ancient Egypt is an extremely complicated matter. Historians use artifacts discovered in tombs and at the sites of the ancient cities to map out the history of ancient Egypt. Because of the sheer age of these artifacts, one can never be sure if the evidence they found paints a complete picture, or if there exists other artifacts from a later dynasty that contradict what they found. For this time period, everything is a game of theories and suspicions, with little confirmed for sure.
0: While decades of study have presented some known facts about Nefertiti, much of what is commonly known is actually more theorized than confirmed. We don't even know the exact date of birth for the queen,
1: but historians place it at around 1370 BC.
0: The name Nefertiti in Egyptian means the beauty has come, but ancient Egyptian royals often went by numerous names that acted more as titles. They would even change their names as their position or faith changed. Historians are fairly certain that she changed her name at least once during her reign.
1: This is important for the purpose of this investigation as the single main reason Nefertiti has proven so elusive over the years is that, while we know she definitely went by different names during her lifetime, we don't know for sure which names those were or even how many there were.
0: What we know for sure is that Nefertiti served as queen to the pharaoh Amenhotep IV for over 15 years from the early 1350s B.C. to the mid-1330s B.C. They were part of Egypt's 18th dynasty, which spanned from around 1550 B.C. to 1290 B.C.
1: As queen, Nefertiti held the title of great royal wife to Pharaoh Amenhotep IV. This means she was his chief consort.
0: Ancient Egyptian society was polygamist, especially among the royal family. A pharaoh might have numerous wives and even more mistresses and concubines, but they only had one great royal wife. While Amenhotep IV had at least three other wives that we know about, Nefertiti was his public queen, and her children would have had the main claim to the throne.
1: Nefertiti and her husband's reign was noteworthy in two main ways. The first was the religious revolution
0: they had instigated in the early years of their rule. Ancient Egypt was polytheistic. The people worshipped numerous gods under the grand rule of Amun, the king god of the Egyptian pantheon.
1: But Amenhotep IV and Nefertiti fought to do away with all polytheistic practice in favor of monotheistic worship of a single god, the sun, Aten.
0: Amenhotep's devotion to his new religion was so great that he even changed his name from Amenhotep IV to Akhenaten, which is what he is still commonly known as among Egyptologists. The name
1: translates to effective for Aten. Nefertiti changed her name as well from just Nefertiti to Neferneferuaten Nefertiti, which means beautiful are the beauties of Aten
0: you'd hope they'd have shorter nicknames for when it was just the two of them hanging around the pyramid.
1: Well, Nefertiti's name change wasn't as officially permanent as her husband's. This is perhaps because her new name included her original name. Or because, since she was just the pharaoh's wife, her name change wasn't something the scribes had to adhere to every single time they referenced her. Regardless, After the change, she sometimes still appears as just Nefertiti, or the great royal wife in the ancient Egyptian texts.
0: So at this point in her life, Nefertiti was going under at least three identifiers, and tracking her only becomes more difficult from there. In service to their new religion, Akhenaten and Nefertiti commissioned the construction of a new capital city, Amarna.
1: Every Egyptian pharaoh sought to immortalize themselves through statues, tableaus, and other depictions. With the construction of Amarna, Akhenaten had given himself and his wife an entire city to
0: cover with their own likenesses. In addition to their new religion, the second thing that distinguished the rule of Nefertiti and Akhenaten was how the queen's likeness was portrayed in the ancient culture.
1: Ancient Egypt's culture was ruler-centric. The pharaoh, who was often a man, was almost a mythic figure. Ancient hieroglyphics and tableaus had specific scenes and poses reserved only for pharaohs. These often enforced the pharaohs' near-deity status, depicting them as caring for their people or
0: smiting the enemies of Egypt. One of the many interesting things about Nefertiti is that in many of the portrayals where she is next to her husband, she is shown in similar poses. There are a number of examples of Nefertiti riding a chariot into battle against Egypt's enemies, or worshipping Aten in a pose specifically reserved for pharaohs. These are not the depictions that would have been used for just any queen. It makes us wonder, if she were portrayed as a pharaoh, was she ruling as one?
1: Now even if Nefertiti did act as a pharaoh, she was not the first female pharaoh of Egypt. There's evidence of single women rulers of Egypt dating as far back as Mernith in the first dynasty.
0: Mernith would have ruled around 2950 BC. The Egyptians' polytheistic religion was less patriarchal than other pantheons of the time. Their culture placed heavy emphasis on the union between ISIS and her husband, Osiris, and that celebration of the union between a male and female ruler is evident in the Egyptian royal customs.
1: Plus, in this time period, the infant mortality rate was high and the life expectancy was short. It was a likely scenario that a pharaoh would die with only a wife or daughters to carry on the dynasty. While the majority of pharaohs were men, a female pharaoh was not such a radical idea.
0: What's radical about Nefertiti and Akhenaten, however, is that she would have been depicted in such a ruler-esque pose alongside her husband, who is still alive in a number of these portrayals.
1: One proposed explanation is tied into the profound changes that Nefertiti and Akhenaten were trying to implement. It's a possibility that Akhenaten saw himself and Nefertiti less as a king and queen and more as a team of priests, equal in status and blessed with a mission to guide their people to this new
0: religion. However, stronger evidence seems to indicate that for a time near the end of his reign, Akhenaten elevated his wife from the position of royal wife to co-regent.
1: This would grant credibility to the belief that Nefertiti served as a pharaoh after Akhenaten's death. It would have been easier to assume power if she had already been promoted by her husband.
0: The theory that Nefertiti served as Akhenaten's co-regent is supported mainly by the co-regency stela, a fragmented limestone tablet depicting Akhenaten and Nefertiti, who is designated as his co-regent. At some point during Akhenaten's reign, Nefertiti's name was scratched off the stela and replaced with the name Ankhapurure Neferneferuaten. This could have been due to Nefertiti changing her name further in accordance with her new title.
1: Or, if the Ankhapurure Neferneferuaten was not actually the same Nefertiti, it could have indicated that the queen fell out of favor with the king and was replaced.
0: Akhenaten died somewhere between 1336 and 1334 BC. Nefertiti is believed to have died a few years later, around 1330 BC, though she may have died closer to her husband.
1: We're getting into a fairly murky account of when specific things happened, but the generally accepted chronology is this. There was at least one, and possibly two, pharaohs that ruled in the brief period between the death of Akhenaten and the crowning of his son, Tutankhamun. DNA testing has confirmed that Tutankhamun is the son of Akhenaten. However, the possibility that Tutankhamun is also the son of Nefertiti is unconfirmed and a subject of debate
0: among Egyptologists. The pharaoh we know for sure that served between Akhenaten and Tutankhamun is nefer neferu And yes, that is the same name that Nefertiti changed hers to in accordance with the new religion she started with her husband. However, given that neither Nefertiti nor nefer mummy has been found, it is impossible to confirm for sure whether they were the same person.
1: There is also a belief that another pharaoh, Smenkare, ruled for a short time immediately after Akhenaten's death and before nefer Very little is known about Smenkare. We don't know what his or her relationship was to Akhenaten. We don't know much about their rule.
0: We don't even know if they were a man or a woman. What we do know, though, is that King Tutankhamun ascended to the throne around 1332 BC, two to four years after the death of Akhenaten.
1: His reign was largely defined by his undoing of the work Akhenaten and Nefertiti had done to shift ancient Egypt to the worship of Aten. By this point, Akhenaten's construction of the city of Amarna had done severe damage to the Egyptian economy and in death Akhenaten's mission
0: had fallen out of favor with the Egyptian people. In a sense, Tutankhamen followed in his father's footsteps but in reverse. Born Tutankhaten which means living image of Aten, he shifted his name to living image of Amun or Tutankhamen. Likewise he oversaw the shift of Egyptian culture away from the monotheistic worship of Aten back to the traditional polytheistic worship of many gods that had defined Egypt in the pre-Akhenaten era. Tutankhamun
1: died after nine years of rule at age 18. He was succeeded by his great uncle Ai. After Ai's brief rule, Haremheb, who was the commander of the army under Tutankhamun and had no blood relation to the previous royal family, took the throne. Haremheb further drove Egypt back to the polytheistic tradition by demolishing the city of Amarna and much of the chronicled histories of Akhenaten and Nefertiti along with it.
0: It's ironic that the religious mission that defined Nefertiti's and Akhenaten's reign would ultimately spark a retroactive erasure of her legacy.
1: With the destruction of Amarna, Nefertiti vanished from history until her famous bust was discovered 3,000 years later. We'll
0: return to our story in just a moment.
1: And now back to Gone. So where is Nefertiti? It's the question that has plagued Egyptologists
0: for over a century. Our first theory connects Nefertiti with what may be one of the oldest murder mysteries in history. During
1: their lifetime in the 13th century BC, Nefertiti and the other pharaohs we've mentioned lived in Cairo, which is still today the capital of Egypt and Akhenaten's new city of Amarna. But in death, the pharaohs and other 18th Dynasty royals were buried in the Valley of the Kings, a massive burial site on the west bank of the Nile.
0: It's a site that has been thoroughly excavated and yielded discovery after fascinating discovery for over 200 years. But Nefertiti, who by rights should be there alongside Akhenaten, is yet to be found.
1: Where is Nefertiti? Well, according to this first theory, she has actually already been found. However, her remains were horribly desecrated, so uncovering her identity was all but impossible until recently.
0: This hypothesis begins with a tomb uncovered in 1898 by French archaeologist Victor Loret.
1: In the tomb of Amenhotep II, Loret made a startling find after discovering a side chamber to the main room he uncovered three mummies, two
0: women and one child. The boy was identified as one of Amenhotep's sons, who died in childhood. But the two women? Well, at first, Lorray was only able to confirm that one of the bodies actually was a woman, as the younger of the two had a shaved head.
1: Closer inspection of the mummies confirmed that they were both women, and their corpses had been severely damaged by grave robbers sometime in the 3,000 years between their deaths and their discovery.
0: This was nearly a hundred years before using DNA to identify mummies was even a thought. Given that any identifying relic that could have confirmed the identities of these mummies had been looted long ago, it was essentially impossible to concretely name these mummies at the turn of the 20th century.
1: At the time, historians named them the Younger Lady and the Elder Lady.
0: For over a hundred years, the identities of the two ladies remained a mystery, and Egyptologists remained fascinated with them.
1: The Younger Lady in particular was a subject of focus because of the extreme and very likely deliberate damage done to her corpse.
0: In ancient Egypt, Desecrating a mummified corpse was seen as a grave injustice as to do so was to essentially deny that person's sole entrance to the afterlife.
1: When the younger lady's mummy was first examined, historians noticed that the entire right side of her chest was caved in. Her right arm had been completely torn off and part of her face and
0: jaw had been ripped apart. The facial damage in particular was interesting, as historians were able to conclude that it was in line with the wound an axe blow might make. And it likely occurred pre-mortem, and even could have been the cause of her death. She was murdered? It seems likely. Murdered, buried, and then desecrated after her death with all relics that would have identified her stolen.
1: What happened to this woman? Was the damage done to her corpse born of malice or just a side effect of the already severe crime of grave robbing? What was her relationship to the king that led her to be buried in the royal tomb?
0: Over a century after her discovery, we began to find out. In 2003, professor and Egyptologist Joanne Fletcher proposed that the younger lady could be the long sought-after corpse of Nefertiti. If true, It would
1: support the earlier theory that Nefertiti had died suddenly during Akhenaten's reign or had fallen out of favor with him to such a degree that she didn't warrant a burial spot in his tomb.
0: Or she did succeed her husband as pharaoh, but was assassinated in retaliation for her religious policies.
1: The younger lady's missing arm could support this. We mentioned how ancient Egyptian artists and sculptors reserved certain poses for pharaohs. This was also true of poses in death. You might think that all mummies were buried in the commonly known pose, with their arms crossed over their chest. But there's evidence from this period of ancient Egypt that the crossed arm pose was reserved for pharaohs only. The younger lady's arm could have initially been in a crossed arm pose and been removed by those who never wanted to accept her
0: as a true ruler. The possibilities go on. But at the time, Fletcher's theory was seen as both radical and unprovable. Ancient Egyptian texts which chronicled the royal lineage confirmed that Nefertiti had six children, all of them daughters. None of those daughters have been found, and thus it was, and still is, impossible to confirm the theory with DNA testing. However, the use of DNA testing has led us closer to uncovering the identities of both ladies. But in order to do that, it required another piece of the puzzle.
1: In the early 21st century, global interest in finding out more about King Tutankhamun led to a big push in the testing of mummies' DNA
0: strands. In 2007, the King Tut family project set out on a two-year mission to sequence Tutankhamen's DNA against that of other discovered mummies in order to piece together his family tree.
1: They discovered a lineage that, like the already existing accounts of pharaohs and their relatives, was largely jumbled.
0: The first major breakthrough on the project was the confirmation of Tutankhamun's father, Akhenaten, whose mummy had been discovered in 1907. The next step was to identify Tutankhamun's mother. Over six years after Joanne Fletcher made her radical claim, it seemed like genetic science might finally be able to reveal the identity of the two ladies. And did it? Well, yes and no. DNA sequencing on the elder lady matched with a lock of hair that was buried in Tutankhamun's sarcophagus and confirmed a relationship between the two. She's his grandmother, Queen T, who was also the mother of Akhenaten.
1: Testing on the younger lady revealed a number of connections. She was confirmed to be the daughter of Queen T and Amenhotep III, the sister of Akhenaten and the mother
0: of King Tutankhamun. Meaning that Tut's mother and father were full-blooded siblings.
1: This is not entirely surprising. Inbreeding among ancient Egyptian royal families was quite common, and it would confirm another result of the DNA testing on Tutankhamun. During the 18 years of his life, he suffered from a number of health issues, including a crippling bone disorder, necrosis, and a weakened immune system that left him susceptible to malaria, the disease that is believed to have ultimately killed him.
0: It's also likely a contributing cause to the fact that Tutankhamun's only known children were both stillborn.
1: DNA testing provided a wealth of new information about the younger lady. But all we've learned actually weakens the theory that she is, in fact, Nefertiti.
0: We've talked about the importance of names in Egyptian royal culture. As inbreeding among royal family members was common, queens who were a sister or cousin to their kings would often change their name to somehow reference this fact.
1: Yet Nefertiti never held a name or title indicating that she was a king's sister or a king's daughter. Nefertiti's official parentage is not known, which is strange, for if she had been a daughter of King Amenhotep III, who later became the queen, it seems that someone would have written it down.
0: So, if Nefertiti isn't the younger lady, then who is she? Or, for the sake of this podcast, where is she? Even if she's not Tutankhamun's mother, the secret to her tomb may be tied to him. Our next theory is one that only came up in the last 10 years. It states that Nefertiti is in KV 62, the tomb where Tutankhamun was discovered in a hidden room.
1: But if Nefertiti wasn't actually Tutankhamun's mother, then why would she be buried with him and not with Akhenaten in KV 55?
0: Well, you know the feeling when your neighbor has a nicer tomb than yours and you think you might want it for yourself? It might have something to do with that. You likely don't need us to tell you that Tutankhamun is the
1: single most famous mummy ever to be discovered in the remnants of ancient Egypt. At the time of his discovery in 1922, Tutankhamun's was famous for the fact that his mummy and sarcophagus were, and still
0: are, the most intact remains ever to be discovered. Tutankhamun was discovered by Howard Carter, along with over 5,000 artifacts and decorations.
1: The artifacts from the tomb, including the solid gold sarcophagus, have made numerous global tours, appearing in museums
0: all over the world. And even now, 96 years after his discovery, we're still learning about the nature of his burial. There
1: have been two groundbreaking revelations made about King Tutankhamun's burial site in the past few years. The first is the discovery that a large amount of the burial artifacts were in fact originally intended for nefer the pharaoh who preceded Tutankhamun and who may have been
0: Nefertiti. Chief among these was the burial mask, that iconic golden visage that has been linked with Tutankhamun for decades. New evidence indicates an original inscription on the mask that reads Anka Perure Mary Neferke Perure.
1: Translation Ankaparure, beloved of Akhenaten. Ankaparure is another name that started to appear in the chronology at around the time Akhenaten would have died. There's a possibility that it was another name and title used by Nefertiti during her reign as co regent or as a pharaoh after her husband's death.
0: Whether Nefertiti and nefer neferu are the same person or not, this inscription of Ankeperure Mary Neferkeperure strongly indicates the burial mask was originally intended for Nefertiti, Akhenaten's favorite wife.
1: So how did Tutankhamun end up with it? Well, that's the second piece of recently proposed theories. In 2015, mapping scans of the burial site indicated that there was another undiscovered room in the
0: complex. And that this might be the final resting place of Nefertiti. We're back to that big if. If Nefertiti is Nefer-Neferuatin, which evidence supports but we can't confirm without a body, then it could be that Tutankhamun had Nefertiti killed in a bid for power. In deposing her, he took the burial items that would have been hers, and denied her a tomb befitting a pharaoh, choosing instead to give her a traditional queen's burial.
1: Another possibility is that, whether Nefertiti was or was not also nefer she was still buried in the tomb for a time, until Tutankhamun's death. At 18, his death was likely sudden and unexpected, and it's entirely plausible that his own burial site was not yet ready.
0: Given that Tutankhamun's reign had been defined by his reversing religious decisions made by Nefertiti and Akhenaten, his followers may have thought he wouldn't mind much kicking Nefertiti out of her tomb in order to take it for himself. And even though they were physically moving a resting
1: corpse, Whoever did this would still feel beholden to Egyptian tradition and ensure to provide Nefertiti with a proper resting place, as long as it was
0: sealed off from the main tomb. It's interesting to think that the key to Nefertiti's tomb may just be a mixture of studying the artifacts in King Tutankhamen's tomb and considering the fact that whoever moved the mummy just didn't want to travel that far with an embalmed corpse. The space I perceived or proposed might exist behind the north wall I suggested might lead to the burial of Nefertiti herself, which would explain why the tomb, a lot about the tomb of Tutankhamun.
1: The possibility of a hidden chamber holding the mummy of Nefertiti reignited interest in the ancient queen when it was first announced in 2015.
0: Since then, there have been two probing expeditions into the space where the hidden room is suspected to be with no results.
1: A new expedition was launched in February 2018. This was designed to be the definitive and final look into what might be in the hidden tomb.
0: Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Now our story continues. King Tutankhamun's tomb was the subject of an in-depth expedition starting in February 2018. The world was wondering, could Nefertiti be buried somewhere inside, in a secret chamber?
1: Prepare to be disappointed. In May of 2018, the results of the search were announced. They didn't just show that there was nothing in the hidden room next to Tutankhamun's burial site. It would seem that the space discovered by radar scan was just an empty cavern. There was no hidden room at all.
0: Imagine spending three years thinking you've finally found Nefertiti's tomb, only to find out it was just a cave.
1: Well, the world has only waited 3,000 years to find it. Three years of looking in the wrong place just seems like a blip but it does strongly rule out the possibility that Nefertiti is buried in King Tut's tomb.
0: This brings us to our final theory. Like the theory of the younger lady, this final hypothesis states that Nefertiti's body has already been found. We just don't know it yet.
1: The theory goes that Smenkare, the mysterious mummy who may or may not have served as a pharaoh for a short time, may actually be Nefer And if Nefertiti is Nefer then Smenkare is actually Nefertiti. The nature of this mystery, with the thousands of years between when these events actually happened and the present, when we're still trying to find answers, means that we deal with a lot of ifs and uncertainties when trying to
0: determine what is true or not. Before we start, there are a few assumptions we need to make in order to qualify this final theory.
1: We can surmise these based on the facts we know. Evidence from Amarna relating to the later years of Akhenaten's reign indicate a pharaoh who ruled for around two years between the death of Akhenaten and the beginning of King
0: Tutankhamun's reign. References to nefer confirm her gender. In ancient Egyptian texts, her full name is written out as Anker-Perure The first part of her name means effective for her husband.
1: As we've said, Nefertiti is an extremely likely candidate for nefer given that Nefertiti is known to have changed her name to nefer Nefertiti during her husband's reign. But the connection between these two can't be confirmed without a body.
0: And nefer body has never been found.
1: The main piece of evidence that links Nefertiti and the short-lived female pharaoh is the co-regency Stella, which features a likeness of Nefertiti. Nefertiti's name was replaced with the name Ankeperure Neferneferuaten. This would fall in line with the theory that Akhenaten promoted Nefertiti to the position of co-regent and that Nefertiti changed her official title after that ascension.
0: After Akhenaten died, Nefertiti continued to rule for a short time until she either died naturally or was usurped by Tutankhamun.
1: As we said, nefer is the likely pharaoh who served in the period between 1334 and 1332 BC, but there may have been another pharaoh in that
0: same period. The existence of Smenkare was first noted in the 19th century when their name was mentioned in the discovered tomb of Marie Ray II, who was a superintendent to Queen Nefertiti.
1: Reference to Smenkare was actually discovered before archaeologists became aware of the existence of nefer For a time, Smenkare was considered to be the likely pharaoh that served between Akhenaten and Tutankhamun.
0: The popularity of Nefertiti's link to nefer Came when, after the discovery of Nefer -Nefer Neferuatin's existence, historians were able to find much more evidence linking her to the royal seat.
1: Smenkare did not use gender identifying titles in his or her name like Nefer -Nefer did, and thus we still don't know whether he or she was a he
0: or a she. What little we do know about Smenkare was that he or she was tied directly to Akhenaten and his rule.
1: We've talked about the theory that Nefertiti was promoted to the role of co-regent under the name nefer Well,
0: there's actually some dispute about who actually served as the co-regent, if there was a co-regent at all. The initial discovery that led historians to become aware of Smenkari
1: in the first place carried evidence for this dispute. It wasn't much, but it indicated that it was actually Smankari who served as Akhenaten's co-regent.
0: Now, this theory was generally disregarded once the evidence began to indicate that it was actually Nefertiti who was the co-regent, under the name nefer
1: but the dispute between Smenkare and nefer Neferuaten in regards to whether they were pharaohs and the order in which they were pharaohs still plagues Egyptologists to this day.
0: Seems like a complicated historical mystery with no clear answer on who is who or who did what.
1: But what if there's an explanation amidst all of it? The first piece of evidence that indicated Nefertiti's co-regency status was the fact that the name Nefertiti simply disappears from the record at around the twelfth year of Akhenaten's reign.
0: This is around the same time that Nefer Neferuatin begins to be mentioned in the chronicles of Akhenaten's reign.
1: Now it's possible that Nefertiti's name disappears because she died. The average life expectancy for women who survived childhood at that time was only about 30 years. Nefertiti's assumed year of birth is 1370 B.C., and the twelfth year of Akhenaten's reign would have been around 1340 B.C., so a natural death is entirely possible.
0: But it seems much more likely that she lived to the end of her husband's reign and simply changed her name to nefer Neferuatin when she became co-regent.
1: But as is the case with every theory we've discussed today, there exists at least one piece of evidence contradicting Nefertiti's co-regency.
0: A fragment of a stone tablet examined in 2012, believed to have been carved in the 16th year of Akhenaten's reign, makes a specific reference to the pharaoh's great royal wife, which would have been Nefertiti.
1: This inscription is seen among Egyptologists as possible proof that A. Nefertiti was alive at the end of her husband's reign, and B. she was still using the title of great royal wife, meaning she wasn't acting as
0: co-regent. It would indicate the scenario that Smenkare and or nefer were separate people related to Akhenaten in some way and one of them was serving as co-regent. That is, unless the great royal wife was someone else. The final possibility, and one that might be the link between Smankare, nefer and Nefertiti, is Meritatin, daughter of Nefertiti and Akhenaten.
1: Meritatin, like Nefertiti and all of Nefertiti's confirmed children, has never been found. However, she plays a key role in the legacy of Smenkare.
0: In the initial carvings, which first confirmed the existence of Smenkare and the possibility that he or she might have been a pharaoh, Meritatin is named as Smenkare's great royal wife.
1: But if Nefertiti was actually Smenkare, how could her own daughter be the great royal wife?
0: Well, if the theory isn't true and Smenkare were actually a man, it's likely that Meritaten was his wife who served as his queen during his short rule. Depending on the ultimate fate of Nefertiti, it may even be Meritaten who became Pharaoh Nefer Neferuatin after the death of Smenkhare. But there's another possibility. Akhenaten took Meritaten on
1: as his own great royal wife after he promoted Nefertiti to the role of co-regent Yes, in this theory, Akhenaten married his daughter. Then, after Akhenaten died, Nefertiti, who had been ruling alongside her husband, continued on as pharaoh under the name Smenkare. Rather than remarry, Nefertiti allowed her daughter to maintain her title as great royal wife.
0: This is perhaps the cause of the confusion regarding Smenkare's gender. References to Smenkare's great royal wife would naturally seem to indicate that he was a male, even if that were not the case.
1: In the single year that Smenkare is suspected to have ruled, one of two things happened. Nefertiti died, and Meritaten assumed the throne under her mother's name of nefer for a short time before being replaced by Tutankhamun. Or Meritaten died... If Nefertiti kept Meritaten on as the official Great Royal Wife, this might indicate why Smenkare's gender is ambiguous. Nefertiti could have ordered Smenkare, who, in this theory, is Nefertiti, be referred to by masculine pronouns in order to justify the presence of a Great Royal Wife, even if that Great Royal Wife was actually just her daughter the name Smenkare could have served as something like Nefertiti's masculine alter ego.
0: Then, when Meritaten died, Nefertiti was free to just be referred to by her normal feminine name again. Hence the distinction between nefer and Smenkare in the few inscriptions that mention them.
1: If Meritatin did in fact keep the title of great royal wife, even after her father died, Her official relationship with the pharaoh Nefertiti would have been highly
0: irregular, so it explains the irregular records. Correct. Female pharaohs tended not to be married, since they often came to power after the death of their pharaoh husbands. There was no title for a great royal husband in ancient Egypt.
1: Even so, that's a lot of ifs and
0: possibilities. It is. But, given that we're talking about a 3,000-year-old mystery, it may be the closest we'll ever come to the truth.
1: All of these theories have contradictions. The mystery of Nefertiti's tomb is pervasive in the Egyptology community. Sometimes it seems like they're grasping at the few pieces of evidence they have and are trying to make them tell a story. The theory that Nefertiti was both Smenkare and Neferneferuaten seems predicated on evidence that we don't actually have. And the genetic testing on the younger lady certainly hurts the case for her being Nefertiti.
0: But what if those modern historians who thought they found a hidden room in Tutankhamun's tomb were onto something? Maybe they were right to assume that she's still somewhere in that complex. In a space that has yet to be discovered from the beginning
1: we've noted how odd it is that nefertiti hasn't yet been located in the valley of kings in or near the tomb where akhenaten was buried even if she originally occupied Tutankhamun's final resting place they would have needed to put her somewhere nearby If the ancient Egyptians who buried Nefertiti were adhering to anything resembling standard procedure, then she must be somewhere in the Valley of Kings.
0: We think this is the most likely theory.
1: Of course, there is one tragic final possibility, one that is only supported by the lack of evidence. Akhenaten had intended his city of Amarna to be a holy city. It was always his intention to be buried there.
0: He wasn't. He ended up in the Valley of Kings alongside his ancestors and descendants. But Nefertiti, as we have learned from this episode, was anything but standard. Maybe she's closer to the remains of ancient Amarna, near where her iconic bust was discovered over a century ago.
1: Nefertiti's tomb may still be out there, waiting to be discovered. However, there exists the unfortunate possibility that when Pharaoh Horemheb made it his mission to decimate the city of Amarna and destroy as much as he could of Nefertiti and Akhenaten's religious revolution, he destroyed her body as well.
0: For all of the focus and obsession on finding this missing queen, the sad truth may be that she turned to dust a long time ago.
1: Nefertiti's tomb remains arguably the greatest undiscovered treasure
0: of the ancient Egyptian world. The global fascination with her iconic bust led historians to uncover a fractured, incomplete narrative of her life, which they have tried for a century to understand.
1: Among the Egyptologist community, there almost seems like there's a need for Nefertiti's body to be out there somewhere, like she is the final piece of a massive puzzle.
0: A puzzle that hopefully may one day be solved, even if it takes another 3,000 years.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Gone. If you like the show, you can subscribe for more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. While you're there, we'd really appreciate a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show.
0: What do you think happened to Nefertiti? You can tell us your theories on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, on Twitter at ParCast Network, or at ParCast.com.
1: Just because something is missing doesn't mean it can't be found.
0: Gone was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Gone is written by Colin McLaughlin and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.